the candle that represents uh, the, the, for Advent is the one of peace. Peace. And that's what I want to talk to you uh, today about. These last couple weeks, we've been sort of looking at not just the stories of Christmas, because isn't it true that you can know all the stories of Christmas, but miss the meaning of Christmas? You can miss it completely, even though you know all the stories. And so it's our job to not just touch on the stories, but get to the meaning of Christmas. And we've talked about some, some really cool things these last couple of weeks, but today is peace. Um, there's a couple things um, I've got a couple pet peeves, a couple things that take away my peace, okay? You might have some things that typically are, take away your peace, but there's a couple things in my life that I just want to share with you this morning and be a little vulnerable with you. A couple things that take away my peace more than anything else. Let's, uh, here's one of the first things that takes away my peace. I'm going to shiver when I see this picture. Ah, oh, oh, I can't handle it. You people that have all these notifications and you just leave them on your phone is there anybody like that you're just really you're just really comfortable with like all the notifications I rebuke that in Jesus name (laughs) don't you read your bible come on Ah, whenever there's a notification it's just when I see it oh I gotta get rid of it you know I like it I like my my phone all nice and clean here's another thing that just yeah some some of you are like "Uh uh-uh no but I'm one of these people, I'm one of these people where I just can't, like, I can't relax. I can't sit on the couch and watch a show or hang out if I know there's just tons of dishes in the kitchen. I can't. I have to just go and get it all wiped and clean, and then I'm, and then I'm comfortable. Um, I, saw, I saw this picture um, online a couple weeks ago, and because it really took away my peace. I don't know if you can see. I don't know if you can see, but they have all these different, like, uh, you know, like, uh, decoration fails you know like and this store thought it was a good idea to put up all these these bears for a decoration and I saw this and it gave me like and it gave me a flashback because I'm going to sort of reveal my age a little bit but I used to have this toy when I was a kid it was a Teddy Ruxpin doll does anybody remember anybody know about Teddy Ruxpin and I had this Teddy Ruxpin doll and it was one of these dolls or one of these like like bears that had batteries in it and it would like its mouth would move and it would talk to you except my Teddy Ruxpin doll what would happen is the uh, the batteries would go start to go dead and then it would start talking and then it was like demon possessed to be hello hi how are you and I just have nightmares about Teddy Ruxpin takes away my peace bad idea I don't know what your things are, take away peace, but what we know about Christmas is Christmas can be pretty nutty, and they're just the Christmas, all the stuff we have to do, you can take that down by the way, it's freaking us out. Um, <laughs> Christmas can often sort of take away our peace as well, just because of all the busy stuff. I, I was reading a study, um, and I thought this was fascinating. This study that they did, they, they did like 2,000 people, did this big study, and here's what they discovered. They found that the average child wakes up at, this is Christmas Day. The average child wakes up at 6.07 a.m., 75 minutes earlier than a normal morning, all right? Kind of early. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, yeah. The survey also found that on average, families will open 30 presents on Christmas morning and eat their first chocolates at 11.53 a.m. <laughs> I was like, this seems a little specific, you know? Like, some of you were like, that's weak sauce. I start at like 7 in the morning. Uh, parents will generally spend about two hours and 16 minutes playing with their children and their new toys, and the average child will cry at 10:28 because their parents are not able to get their toys to work. That's the number one reason for crying on Christmas Day. 
because the toy won't work. Um, and then it says the average parent spends about 41 minutes trying to get new toys to work on Christmas Day before taking a nap at 3.30. That's what it says. Um, listen to this. I love this. This is a, this is a free gift to all of you because you're going to be, you'll, you'll see why in a second. The study found that there's about 500 million gifts on Christmas Day. 500 million gifts on Christmas Day require batteries, but 52% of families say that they are at risk of forgetting to buy any batteries. Huh. And then that leads it to the next one. As a result, one in four households are likely to need to send someone on a trip to buy batteries on Christmas Day. Over 50% said that they will take batteries out of something else to fix the problem. Yeah, you've done that, right? Like, stop crying. All right, we'll just like, you know, like uh, take, the, take the fire, the fire uh, alarm. Ah, ah, get it work. And then I love this one. Uh, one in 10 of the survey's respondents said that they would pretend the toy was broken to prevent having to leave the house to go buy batteries. That's actually a really great strategy. Oh, I'm sorry, Johnny. It's just broke. <laughs> Christmas can bring about, uh, Christmas can, can take away peace. Um, that's for sure. The funny thing about that is that Christmas, and we as Christ followers, um, when we look at the meaning of Christmas, Christmas makes an incredible claim. Christmas makes the incredible claim that through Christmas, because of what God has done for us on Christmas Day, because God has come to us in the flesh, that peace has come. Real peace, enduring peace, systemic peace, that peace has finally come. That's why the angels, they come and they, they announce to the, to the shepherds, they say, glory to God, to God in the highest and peace on earth. Peace on earth. That's what they're proclaiming. Um, the hard thing about peace is, and I, you know, again, I just, this song that we sang, the, the, listen to these words. We look around in our world and we say, gosh, if Christmas brought peace, then where, where is the peace? This song says it perfectly. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We look around our world and we say, and we look around sometimes in our own hearts and our own lives and we say, God, where is this peace that you promised? I want to take you to this passage of scriptures in the Old Testament. It's a really famous Christmas passage, but a beautiful passage. And it's a, uh, it's a birth announcement. This passage is a birth announcement announcing the birth of Jesus 725 years before the birth of Jesus. Um, it's a birth announcement. I was actually looking online too because I do this for you because I'm a good pastor and I feel like I should scour the internet finding things to, uh, to make you laugh. There's really funny birth announcements. This one was my funniest one that I found. This one just cracks me up a lot. Right? That's a good one. This one, this birth announcement comes 725 years before the birth of Jesus. Here's what's going on is the Israelites are are uh, in a very difficult, precarious spot. There's this nation that's surrounding them. Um, you can take that down, by the way, Ben. Thank you. I am into the sermon now. Um, the Assyrians are surrounding. The Assyrians are... Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to keep going. The Assyrians were surrounding the Israelites, and the Assyrians were big. They were bad expanding. They were hiring mercenaries. They were taking over. It was a really, really scary time. 
Um, not only that, but the Israelites have this king who's on the throne at this point. His name is Ahaz, and Ahaz is a chump. Okay, Ahaz is a bad king. He's a coward. He's doing all the wrong stuff. He's thinking only about himself. Um, they're in a bad place. Internally, they've got this king that they can't follow, that they don't respect. Externally, they've got this nation. Uh, financially, things are, there's no peace financially. There's no peace, uh, you know, uh, all, there's just the nation is in this place where there's no peace at all. And they're just hoping that they get some good news because all they've gotten is bad news up until this point. And Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah um, is one of these guys who God would send into uh, his people to try to encourage them, to try to open their eyes to things, to try to help them see things that they couldn't see for themselves. And Isaiah steps onto the scene in this season of total unrest and not very much peace. And he has this message of hope and peace. And here's what he says. This is from the book of Isaiah, Old Testament book, chapter 9. We'll start in verse 2. He says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Imagine, this is good news already. The people are like, oh, finally, hope, there's light, there's some, the morning's gonna come, there's gonna be good news. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke. And by the way, he's, he's mentioning this, this Midian. There's this people. There's this story of this guy named Gideon where Gideon obeyed God. And it's, in, it's, it's further back in the Old Testament where uh, Gideon obeys God and the Midianites get, get defeated. And the Midianites were enslaving the people. And so he's reminding them of what happened with, with the Midianites. That the Midianites, their, their slavery of the people, that it was this, this yoke over them. You know, picture like this ox that's got this big heavy yoke. But picture like people, they would do the same thing. They would carry these uh, buckets over their shoulders and they were enslaved. And Isaiah, God through Isaiah is making this beautiful, painting this beautiful picture of, listen, the light is coming. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to break the yoke of slavery over you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to make things right again. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. He says, listen, bloodshed, death, war. He goes, those things, those things are going to be done. They're going to be gone. And then verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He says, you're not going to accomplish this. Your hard work and your effort is going to accomplish this peace. I am going to do something that you can't do, that you couldn't do. I'm going to come and I'm going to inaugurate this new kind of peace. Now, the funny thing about this story is this is 725 years before the birth of Jesus. These people are like, oh, peace is here. All right, any minute now, God. And then generations go by, generations, seemingly, imagine being those people. Imagine those parents talking to their children and saying, listen, we know that God is going to bring his peace 
There's going to be a child born. There's going to be this king that finally comes. And it gets passed from generation. Mom, Dad, where is this peace? We haven't seen it. Imagine just what that would be like. You don't see it happen yet. You don't see it come to fruition yet. And you live your life and you die not necessarily seeing the peace that God promised. Wow, that's hard. That is intense living that way. But such is the nature of this peace. We wish it looked the way that we thought it would look. We wish that it, we wish that it would come in the way that we thought it would come. But the, God, the peace that God gave came in the way that nobody expected. It came in a little baby. Jesus was born. And he is called the Prince of Peace. And as he grows older, Jesus is, um, is an ambassador of peace. Um, not with everybody, with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders. He's like, he's a, he's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's just always knocking heads uh, with, with the religious people of the day because they didn't get it. But with the meek, with the poor, with the sick, with, with the hurting, Jesus was all, was, he, was the, he, was the, he was the peace. He was peace. Everywhere he went, he would just make chaos turn to peace. He would take chaos in people's bodies and he would heal and it would turn to peace. He took the chaos of the waters and he said, be still. And the waters became peaceful. Everywhere Jesus goes, God, he's, he's bringing peace. And Jesus says this one thing. I just wanted to so sort of just this one statement that he makes in, in, in the account of his life in the book of John. John's account of his life, John records this little conversation Jesus has with his followers. Jesus says this one thing. I find it so helpful. He says this. His picture Jesus talking with his disciples, talking with his people, and he says, peace I leave you. My peace, my peace I give you. And then he says this. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, I'm, I brought peace. I'm going to bring you peace. My peace is coming to you, but I don't give peace the way that the world gives peace. I find this so helpful because the world promises us peace in all sorts of different ways. You look around, the world offers us all different kinds and, and solutions for how to get peace. I just, these are just a tiny little list that I made, but I thought of material peace. You know, material peace would be extended warranties, alarm systems, insurance, retirement, money, just more stuff, material peace. Those, none of the, that stuff is bad, but it's, it promises peace. But the thing about all those kinds of peace is that, um, is that it's temporary. It's not lasting. It's not ultimate peace. It trickles away. It goes away. Those things won't give you peace. In fact, we know that some of the richest people in the world, um, they think, you know, we tend to think, if I could just buy this, if I could just get that, if I could just get there, then I will sleep at night, then I will have peace and it turns out they get there and they're still, guess what? No peace. No peace. Just material stuff can't be, bring pre peace. Also, we know that, that there's this thing that has offered us called circumstantial peace. And we tend to believe this too, that we think that, man, things aren't peaceful right now. But if I could just like, if I could just go there and get out from this situation and this circumstance to that circumstance, then I'll have peace. And we've all thought that and we've all done that. And sometimes that brings some peace for a little bit. But again, that's not everlasting peace. That's how our country was started. Remember, it was called taxation without representation. There was no peace. And the people, and the people said, hey, we're going to go to a new land. We're going to start a new colony. Then we'll finally have peace. So the pilgrims, they leave and they come to a new place. And guess what? No peace. In a very short amount of time, guess what? We're in another war. We're in another war. No peace. But we tend to believe that too. We think, man, my marriage, my marriage is hard. 
I don't have a lot of peace. Oh, I know. I'll leave that person and go be with that. Oh, man, if I could just be with that person, then I'll have peace. Oh, if I could just, if I could just, you know, just do this and move that around, if, oh, finally, then I'll have peace. And then, so then we just change the circumstances thinking it's going to give us peace, but it doesn't give us peace. There's another kind of peace there's, uh, that I thought of. It's like self-generated peace. It's the only, the only thing that I could think of. Self-generated peace. Um, you know, uh, mm, inner peace. How do, you ta- how do you find peace? Well, you don't just look out. No, 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 no. You got to look in. You got to look at your belly button a little bit, you know? Mmm, peace. No, you know what you got to do to find peace? You just got to dance it out. That's what you got to do. You just got to dance it out, right? Like that's how you're going to get peace. You know, we are sold all these products and told, now here's how you get peace. Move out, you know, buy the thing or just, you know, like find the inner peace within you and all those things, all those things. Um, Never bring peace. Christmas, you know what Christmas means? means that God has brought peace. Three things about Christmas. I just want to just lay them on you. Um, super simple, guys. It's really super simple this morning. Um, what Christmas gives us is three kinds of peace that you so desperately need. Three kinds of peace that I need. Three kinds of peace that our world desperately needs. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with each other. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with each other, those three things. First one is peace with God. Peace with God. Um, it's not popular necessarily sometimes to talk about the S word in church sometimes. <clears throat> Some of you are like uh, guessing, <laughs> guessing what, what S word is he talking about? Um, the sin word. We're not talking about sin that often. I mean, we, we do. I, we try to. We try to. Um, talking about sin is so essential when it comes to understanding why Jesus is such a big deal. Listen, if you don't grasp what I'm about to tell you about sin, about your own heart, then Jesus is not going to be attractive to you. It's going to seem like just an addition to you. It's like, it's like uh, you know, you don't care what the doctor says unless you recognize that you're sick. I mean, my wife has been trying to get me to get my, uh, my physical, you know, for I think like, like 20 years now. No, I'm just kidding. More like, more like a couple, you know, like maybe a couple years. Like I'm due for a physical. And she keeps saying like, you need to go. And I kept not going because the reason why, the reason why is like I always, and this is my excuse. I say, I say, babe, I'm going to go to the physical and they're going to be like, hey, so do you have any concerns? Nope. Uh, you have any aches or pains? Not really. Um, do you, uh, so, so you're here just to, you know, just for, for, yeah, just do your thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm fine. And that's what keeps me away because, like, I don't feel like I need to go to the doctor, right? That's probably a sign that I do need to go to the doctor. I know, I know. But so you don't care what the doctor says if you don't think you're sick. But when you're sick, when you got that cancer diagnosis, when things look dire, guess what? Oh, man, you're there. You're paying good money. You're going to figure it out because you know you're sick. What we believe as Christ followers, what we believe that the Bible teaches us and shows us is that from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, we have these hearts that are rebellious and broken and turned away toward God. At the very beginning, God says, don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from this tree. Trust me. Trust me. Let me define good and evil. Let me 
don't look to other things to try to make you happy. Let me be in charge of all that. I'm going to bring you something more than happiness. I'm going to bring you abiding joy. I'm going to bring you something better than just happiness. But Adam and Eve, they didn't believe. They said, no, we can do that ourselves. We can decide how to make our own selves happy. And so they took that fruit, and it was this act of, of rebelliousness saying, God, we're going to trust ourselves more than we're going to trust you. And that is the root of our sin. There's all sorts of sins. And we, we're not going to talk about sins this morning because sins, plural, they're underneath every sin is, is, a, is the sin underneath the sin. And the sin underneath every sin is this, these hearts of ours that look at God and say, you know what, God, I like you. You can be, you're kind of helpful to me sometimes, but I want to do my own I want to do my own thing. I want to choose what's going to make me, make me happy. That is what brings us so much death and hurt and decay. It's called sin. <clears throat> it's called sin. Paul, in the book of Romans, he says it way better than me. Here, in just a verse, he says it this way. I love how Paul says it. He says, he says there, and he's trying to explain these same issues to the people of his day as well. He says, therefore, <clears throat> just as sin entered the world through one man, He's bringing us back to the garden and death through sin because, because sin brings death. Because when we say, hey, the, the giver of life, I want to do my own thing, then we remove ourselves from the life that God offers and gives. And so we start to shrivel like a, like a branch that's cut off from its root. It starts to wither and die. And that's what happens when, when, we, when sin is a part of our lives. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Paul is saying something profound, something that a lot of people don't believe in our culture, for sure, is uh, everybody would say, pretty much say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mistaker, you know? Um, I don't know if I'd use the word sinner, but, I, you know, of course, I'm not perfect, you know? Of course, I make mistakes, and, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect, you know? That's, everybody would say, yeah, I'm not perfect. <clears throat> but the Bible has something so much deeper to say about our condition. That the Bible says we're not just mistakers. It says that we're sinners. That our hearts are, are shattered and broken deep, deep down. And that there's something in us that just, that by nature and by choice, all of us, every single one of us, that we are removed from relationship with God because of our rebellious hearts. We're sinners. We don't deserve grace. See, we think we do because we look at everybody else around us and we compare ourselves, right? Uh, and we look pretty good because there's always somebody that's worse than you. Because, I, I mean, maybe somebody's murdered somebody here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Don't raise your hand. All right? Uh, please. That would be weird. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, you, can, you can look at yourself and you, say, you can always say, well, you know, I'm not that bad because I, I haven't murdered somebody, you know? Uh, I'm not that bad because I haven't done this or I haven't done that. We can always make ourselves look pretty shiny and good and new. But listen, God knows your heart. And if you're honest with your own heart, you know your own heart. You know the kind of stuff that's in there. and You don't even know the half of it. Listen, the situation is dire. <clears throat> the situation is bleak. We are sinners. We're separated from God. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. We're sinners. There's a conflict between us and we're in conflict with God. <clears throat> but this is why Christmas is such good news. See, if you don't, if you don't swallow that, then, then you don't need a savior. You're doing just fine. You just try a little harder, you'll be okay. But if you believe that really deep down inside that you, are, you and God have irrecon irreconcilable differences, <clears throat> then what do, you, you, what do you need? You don't need more good works. You don't need to try harder. You need a savior. 
You need God to come and do something for you that you can't do. And guess what? That's exactly what Christmas means. God came and gave himself to us even when we didn't deserve it. And he made peace with us. How did he make peace with us, Pastor? Well, he came. And then on the cross, something happened where all of our sin got weighted on his shoulders. He took the punishment for it. He took the consequences of it so that we could be made free, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. I know that sounds nuts. That sounds crazy. That's just insane that God would do that for you and me. But it's our great hope. It's what we stake our lives on. It's what we believe. It's why Christmas is such a big deal. Peace with God comes to us. Listen, I've got this line. If you're taking notes, I tried to make it pithy for you so you can remember. What's the secret? Listen, it's not found in getting rid of something or going somewhere, but it's with someone. That's where real peace can be found. Don't you see it? If you try to find your peace in anything else, guess what? That will be shaky peace. That will be shaky ground. You can't, you can't root your peace in anything on this planet, because it'll all go away. The only thing that's abiding, the only thing that will stay, the only thing that's a firm foundation is God. So why don't you root your peace in him? Next is this, peace with God. Christmas means there's peace with God. It also means that we have peace with ourselves. You can have peace with yourself. You know what this means? Is that we can stop, for many of us, you can uh, stop being such a jerk to yourself. We're really good at this. You know, Jesus came with truth and grace. You know that? That's what he came with. He came with truth and grace. And Jesus came with truth and grace in a way that nobody has ever come with truth and grace, meaning he tells us the truth about who we are and he gives us complete and utter grace that is undeserved. Wow. And he can do both of those things at the same time like nobody else. But you and I, you know what we do? We, we, we're not good at that. We either emphasize truth or we emphasize grace. And it's hard for us to do both at the same time. And so um, jerks, like in normal life, like if you're just a jerk, you know what you tend to do? You tend to emphasize truth when it comes to other people, but you emphasize grace when it comes to yourself. That's what jerks do. Jerks blame everybody else, you know, like it's your fault and your fault. Some of you are like, oh, I work for one of those. (laughs) And some of you are like, oh, shoot, I might be one of those. See, jerks look at everybody else and say, oh, you should have done it this way. Why didn't you do it this way? Come on, you're not doing it right, not doing it right, not doing it right. But me, moi, oh, well, my intentions are good. You know, like I'm just trying, I'm doing my best. So we emphasize truth with everybody else, but we emphasize grace when it comes to us. But you know what we do more often than that? It's the other way, most often. Most often, when it comes to everybody else, we've got some grace. But when it comes to ourselves, We just emphasize the truth. We're so hard on ourselves. We can have grace for everybody else, but not for yourself. You just work yourself to the bone. You just try harder, try harder. You just stay up at night, just stressing over, just like, can I perform? Can I be good enough? Does God love me? Listen, the good news of Christmas is because God has made peace with you, you can make peace with yourself. And you can be truthful with yourself too. That is beautiful news. You can look at yourself and you can say, I am a sinner. I am not worthy, but God loves me. He knows me to the very bottom and he's given me grace. If God can give me grace, then I can give me grace. If God can can treat me that way, then that means that I can treat myself that way. Truth, grace, 
I feel like somebody maybe needs to hear that this morning. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and then finally, peace with each other. Peace with each other. If it's true that that we have been given a gift that is undeserved, and if it's true that because he's given us grace that now we can have grace for ourselves, then don't you see that that ultimately paves the way for us to have peace with each other? How dare we, how dare we try to enact revenge on others when God did not enact revenge on us? How do we dare not extend grace to others when God extended his grace to us? Don't you see? See, the world talks about world peace. People talk about, hey, well, you know, we want world peace. We've got songs we sing about world peace. Guys, I don't know of anything else besides the gospel of Jesus Christ that will bring true peace to our planet. It's one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. I, I truly, honestly believe that there's nothing else out there. There's no other philosophy. There's no system. There's nothing that even comes close to what the gospel of Jesus will do in your heart and do in our world if we take it seriously. It will truly bring peace. It will bring peace. It's my last <clears throat> story, and we're going to take communion this morning, just when I'm done. And in a second, band, don't come up yet, but we're going to sing a song and and just take it and just respond. Um, <clears throat> but I was reminded as I was thinking this morning about the, about the message today, I was reminded of, of this really famous book. It's called Peace Child, Don Richardson. Um, here's the story, if you haven't read it. Is, uh, <clears throat> Don and his wife, they were college kids, and they heard the call. They, they, they were heard that they were, uh, God wanted them to be missionaries. They felt like they were supposed to be missionaries. And so they went to New Guinea, and they felt like they were called to the Sawi people, the Sawi people of New Guinea. There's a problem with the Sawi people of New Guinea, though. They're cannibals, and white people are not looked upon very kindly in the, in the Sawi people, but they felt like they were called there. And so they, they, they moved their family, and they had a child as well. Just courageous and bold, maybe even crazy. <laughs> and they went and they immersed themselves in this culture. And, and the, the Sawi people were very sort of concerned about them at first. But they started to get to know the culture. And here's what they learned about the Sawi culture. is It was a culture steeped in revenge and violence. It was a culture steeped in, in uh, trick, like if you were tricky uh, and if you were uh, deceptive, then that was, a, then that was a, a virtue in that culture. Isn't that interesting? It was, a, it was a virtue in the culture. So when they started telling them the story of Jesus and the people heard about Judas, they thought, they thought Judas was the hero. They did. They thought Judas was the hero of the story. And they come to find out that, Je- no, Jesus can't be the hero of the story. Judas is the hero of the story. And so it's a culture that seemed just so sort of, sort of backwards and, uh, like, and not receptive to, to the good news of Jesus at all. And people were warring and killing each other. And one tribe would eradicate another tribe. And that tribe would take whoever was left would take revenge. And then they take revenge. And this has just gone on for centuries. And then the Richardsons heard about, heard about something that the tribes would do. The Richardsons heard about Whenever a tribe wanted to make peace with the other tribe, then they would offer a peace child. One tribe would take a little child from their tribe and they would gift it to another tribe. And then that tribe that they gifted, gifted that child to would gift a child of their own to the other tribe. And the agreement was this, as long as these children live, our, our villages will remain in peace. 
When they die, deal's off. (laughs) But as long as they're alive, we will be at peace. And the Richardsons heard that story, and a light came on, and they said, that's that's how we're going to communicate the gospel. And suddenly they said, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what God did at Christmas? He sent us the ultimate peace child. God has made peace with us. And that was the beginning of the Sawi people completely changing. That was over 50 years ago. And the Sawi people, the systemically, so much of that region of the world are following Jesus still today because of their, because of their courage. And I just was reminded of that story because as we approach Christmas in just two days and as we just get excited, the good news of Christmas is that God has given you the ultimate gift. He has given you his peace. He secured it. You didn't have to earn it. He did it all for you. Therefore, you can have peace with yourself and you can have peace with others. God knows we're going to need it in our homes. We're going to have lots of in-laws over. You're going to have lots of people over. You're going to be with each other a lot, rubbing shoulders a lot. Guess what? You have every reason to extend grace. You have every reason to extend peace. You know why? Because the gospel is in you. 